This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Hour number two, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. That's the phone number to give us a call or shoot us a text. We're with you for the next two hours here. Full day of coverage as the Warriors take on the Spurs tonight. That's a 5.30 tip here on 95.7 The Game. Warriors Live comes your way at 4. And uh, no Steph Curry. For the Warriors tonight, uh, as we knew already, obviously James Wiseman ruled out for the season. Clay Thompson not going to play tonight as well, according to the injury report. And it sounds like the plan is going to be Clay Thompson sits out tonight but plays tomorrow. Uh, Andre Iguodala and Otto Porter play tonight and then sit out tomorrow against the Pelicans. And then the Warriors are going to have at least five, maybe six days in between uh, the end of the regular season tomorrow and game one of the playoffs, which will either be a week from today or a week from tomorrow. Yeah, interesting uh, that that's the approach. It shows the Warriors are definitely trying to win both these games. I mean, it's uh, you always try to win every game, but it's obviously a concern. It's just interesting that they're going to be facing tonight uh, a Spurs team. It's basically the Spurs version of the team that the Lakers put on the floor against the Warriors on Thursday uh, with so many Spurs sitting out tonight. I think the Warriors, the load management team that we've seen so many times, I think they'd be able to handle this Spurs team tonight with Keldon Johnson out, McDermott out, Murray's out, Pirtle's out, uh, Devin Vassell's out, uh, and I think Romeo Langford is questionable. So, yeah, um, the Warriors trying to win tonight. I'm not really sure the Spurs are, J.D. No, I and, yeah, the Spurs – essentially locked in to 10th in the in the play-in tournament, two games behind the Pelicans. They'd have to win two and, and the Pelicans lose two uh, for, for that to flip. And, and all that would mean is, oh, you get home court uh, as, as far as not having home court. But it's too much to ask. So the Spurs, in essence, punting on that and trying to load up for the one game, uh, really the two games that they'd have to win to get into uh, the playoffs and, and, and basically steal somebody's spot, whether it would be the Clippers mm-hmm. Or or the the Timberwolves, whoever loses in the in the seven eight uh, matchup, there a couple of simple questions uh, that we've been asking right off the top of the show, uh, and and we'll lay it out again very quickly. If the Warriors win tonight and tomorrow, that's the simplest way to put it. They win tonight and tomorrow, uh, the Warriors are the three seed in, in the Western Conference. We'll see Utah, Denver. It still has to shake out. Right now, the Warriors would be playing Denver. Uh, if the Warriors don't win both games and Dallas is able to win their finale tomorrow, which is against 
San Antonio, who's you know may not play their guys tomorrow night either. Uh, the the door would be opened if the Warriors do lose one of these final two games. If the if the Mavs win their final game, to where the Warriors could move down to fourth. But again, it. it Utah and Denver, it looks like Utah's going to be fifth in all likelihood. So the, the question is, who do you want in the first round between Utah and Denver? And then which side of the bracket do you want to be on? The, the Phoenix side, uh, if you're the four seed, or the Grizzly side, if you're the three seed. A lot of good answers in the first hour uh, of the program and, and really mixed results. Why do you got a lot of people that, that would rather be on the Phoenix side, which surprised me a little bit and uh, you know, more than I would have expected. It seems like it's been slightly more warrior fans want Phoenix. That's what to me is really fascinating about the decision to have clay rest tonight and then have uh, Iguodala and Porter rest tomorrow night. And, we, you know, Draymond, who knows? I, I assume it looks like he, they're expecting him to play, but given his back issue, you know, if he wakes up tomorrow not feeling well, maybe he doesn't play either. But it's clear to me that they are doing everything within reason to try to nail down uh, the three seed. So I think that means, you know, as far as what the Warriors thinking is, we know, according to Anthony Slater, there's kind of a split decision there within the organization, but the people making the decision have decided they would rather be on the Memphis side of the bracket. We'll see whether that happens or not, but they're making uh, every effort to end up on uh, the, uh, the Memphis side of the bracket. Yeah. And, and be the three seed and, yeah. uh, so we'll we'll see how it all shakes out, but it it looks like the Warriors do have, and we don't know what the Pelicans are going to do, but the Pelicans are are going to be locked into their slot uh, as the as the ninth seed. If if the Warriors win tonight, that would be official. Right. But again, it sounds like the Spurs don't care either way. But it would be it would be official that in in essence, and I, you pointed this out yesterday. Warriors win tonight, that for sure makes the the game tomorrow meaningless for the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the it's the it's the glory of the play-in situation. By the way, and I know this is neither here nor there, but uh, we were talking about this yesterday before the show with Steiny and Guru, and then I read something about it today. You know, the play-in thing. One of the weird things about the play-in thing, JD, is the stats don't really matter. It's like a whole separate category that no one's bothered to keep yet. So, like, points scored in the play-in, is that in, in your postseason record? No, because it's not in the playoffs. Was well, it your regular season record? No, because it's not a regular season game. So, the, there's kind of this weird netherworld where all the stats and everything yeah. from the play-in games go because they don't – statistically, they, there's no category for them yet. I, I think they're, they're going to end up having to, to make it part of the regular season because they don't – at some point, I think they're going to go back and have to – they're, and even if it means, even if it means that it it winds up with you know different number of total games or or whatever is, but for, I think for statistical purposes they they need to count it as part of the because it's not playoffs because you're not right. calling the teams that make the play in playoff teams you have to win to get us you know win to get in and once you get in. You're a playoff. Like the Warriors last year, a perfect example. The Warriors were not a playoff team last year, even though they finished eighth. Memphis essentially stole their spot, right? A team will get an opportunity to steal another team's spot. That's kind of how I look at it. And Memphis came in and stole the Warriors' spot uh, and as, as the eighth seed. And so you know, at that point, they were a playoff team. The Warriors were not. But I, I do think those stats have to live. I think you have to add them to the regular season. What's, what's the argument against that? 
I don't know. I guess you could argue that if you have a real close scoring race like we do this year and someone ends up winning the scoring race because they have one more opportunity and they score 50 or something, someone may may be upset about that. But I, I think it'll change. They'll change it if and when someone in a playing game. And I think Jason Tatum might have had a 50-point game in one of them. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I don't know that Boston's been in a play. You know, we have actually had the plan in the bubble as well. But if somebody has a huge game, just a monstrous game, and then it's like, yeah, but that stats don't count, then there's going to be, you know, kind of an outcry. Well, wait, we've got to count those. But until then, I think for the most part, you know, the plan is still just such a preliminary thing that it's like, okay, fine, get it over with, and let's let the playoffs start. No, I, I think I think that's a good point. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Uh, so a couple of simple questions there. Who do you want in the first round between Utah and Denver? And then who do you want? Uh, which side of the bracket do you want to be on? You want to be uh, the four seed on the Sun side of the bracket. You want to be the three seed on the Grizzlies side of the bracket. Uh, what have you made of the the Warriors' uh, three game winning streak here, Whitey? The Warriors kind of getting back, and it really even goes back to the Phoenix game where they lost to the Suns, but but really thought they found something in that game. There was a lot of positivity coming out of it. I know a week ago, as we were gearing up for uh, the Warriors in the Jazz matchup at, at Chase a week ago tonight, uh, uh, what did it really mean? How they play against Utah, I think, goes a, a longer way to backing up you know, some of the comments that were coming out of the Phoenix game. And you look at the way that game plays out for 40 minutes, it looked like, well, I, I guess it didn't translate, but Clay Thompson gets hot down the stretch. They win that game. Now they've won two more against a couple of non-playoff teams in, in Sacramento and, and the Lakers. And now all of a sudden it does feel like the Warriors have a little bit of momentum. They didn't play great the other night against the Lakers, but they have won three in a row and they're set up maybe to win a couple of more. So they could low-key have a, a little five-game winning streak going yeah. into the playoffs. And I think there have been some really good signs. I think defensively they've been much more um, buttoned up. Although, as you said, I mean, it didn't show <laughs> throughout the 48 minutes against the Lakers or whoever those guys were scoring 112 and Taylor Horton Tucker uh, with you know, <laughs> 40 on them. That's, and that was an odd game. But I think at times the, the word defense clearly has been better. You know, Clay playing so much better, shooting better. And it's really interesting that Steve Kerr has said to, you know, Tim Kawakami, it's idiotic to think, Tim Kawakami, it's idiotic to think that we wouldn't start him or wouldn't have him on the floor at the end. But then he pointed out, Steve Kerr pointing out after the last game that, oh, Clay only took two bad shots. You know, when he takes bad shots, it affects us at both ends. So that's been a, a relief for them because they, they, not only do they need Clay to play well, they can't survive if he plays as poorly as he has at times this year. And I know people get upset, like, how can you say that about Clay? I mean, that's a fact if you've been following the games and watching the games. And then thirdly, Wiggins playing so much better. He's found his jump shot, and he can be efficient without getting a lot of shots, and that's hugely important if that continues going into the postseason. And there's many more things, you know, pool, we go on and on about pool. Be elites, as we discussed yesterday. But, yeah, a modest three-game winning streak. But in the midst of that, wrapped up in that, are some real positive signs for the Warriors. So, some positive signs, and we'll see how they play these last couple of games. I mean, what there isn't a lot of juice to these games. There isn't a lot that really can be gleaned. It's more just, all right, where do they wind up? Uh, in, in terms of the seeding, I know that can be a little wonky and, and a little a, a little boring, although I took exception to the texter that, that was giving us a little <laughs> bit of flack for, for breaking it all down. Ugh. But, yeah, yeah it's just it, 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 it 
you can get caught in the weeds, and it and it's hard to understand at times, even if somebody's explaining it as as clearly as possible. But what you know what what's left to really glean? Like I, I, it's better than the alternative that the Warriors defensively have played better the last few games. I think it's it's better than than the alternative that Clay Thompson's been hotter, Wiggins has been efficient, more efficient, uh, even though he hasn't been taking a lot of shots. Like all those th- all those things are great. Uh, I, I'm not sure how much of that. You know, plays in the playoffs. Like, does it, it does it is it an automatic in in the playoffs? I mean, we'll see. But what what are you kind of looking for in these last in these last couple of games? Because I I thought the the Laker game I, I was expecting more, and the Warriors won it. And I just you know the Warriors played like yeah. a team that knew that the games really didn't matter. And I feel like you know they they can say they're trying to win these games for seeding and all of that. But I, I feel like tonight and tomorrow are kind of glorified preseason games in a way. Yeah, as I said yesterday, J.D., when we discussed this, um, you know, I was watching that game, and I found myself just so excited watching the Warriors and the Lakers, so excited about the playoffs, and I just felt like, when can we start the playoffs? And the Warriors kind of play the game that way, like, yeah, yeah. Can we get this over with and get going. Uh, Draymond started, He, you know, he didn't play well. He didn't look well physically, but he ended up having a, a really solid game, and, and I think he helped kind of, um, serve as a foundation for that win. It was an odd game, but I, I, to answer your question, uh, the Warriors at times this year, you know, early in the year they played with such confidence and just played like almost unconscious basketball, just automatic basketball. This is what we do. Boom, boom, boom. We destroy you. And then with injuries and so many factors, they really kind of lost their confidence at times this year. Right now they seem like, okay, we got Clay coming back. I mean, excuse me, Clay's playing well. Steph's coming back. Draymond's back. It looks like that confidence is really building. And I think it's really important to this team to get that sense of positive momentum going into the postseason. So I think it's really important for them to continue to do well over these last two games. Some of the things they've been doing, especially defensively, especially Clay playing well tonight, Wiggins playing well. So that's what I'm looking for is just them to continue to play well enough to continue that positive feeling going into the playoffs because I think it's really important to them. Uh, on the Xfinity mobile text line here, the 408, the Grizzlies are spicy against the Golden State Igadalas, and rightly so. Iggy was smirking on TV for a year, getting money for nothing. <laughs> Talking about last year, getting paid by the Grizzlies and, and then winding up in, in Miami for a couple of years and, yeah, didn't want to go there. Th- there's definitely something to that. Uh, as far yeah. as the Grizzly side of things. No, and I mean, Dylan Brooks said as much. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, and, you know, there was spice in that rivalry even before that, right? Uh, before Iguodala. I mean, they knocked the Warriors, the Warriors out last year, Whitey. Like, yes. I, we kind of forget. Like, they ended the Warriors season. Uh, that hasn't happened a lot, and you know, during yeah. this dominant run. But they, they took the Warriors out last year as an underdog. And I don't think it was coincidence that Iguodala came back against Memphis. And I wonder if someone decided, you know what, we might play these guys in the postseason. Let's maybe diffuse this a little bit. Whatever you play against them, and then maybe they get some of that out of their systems. I could be wrong, but I thought it was interesting that he was, you know, he came back uh, against uh, the Grizzlies. That's absolutely true. And yeah, it's just on top of that animosity, that angst that was already there before Iguodala came back to the Warriors. Another uh, text here from the 408. Uh, we were talking about this at the end of the, the first hour, Whitey, and the text reads, the I got a ring and you don't, so shut up, is such a tired argument. Uh, if if one is old and tired, 
uh, and, and losing now, maybe one should shut up sometimes. So, yeah, it's it's basically uh, the Warriors have won rings, so they, they, they've got the edge on Memphis, and, and, that's, and that's the end of the argument. What do you think of that? Hmm. Is that the – well, um, I mean, we, we the Warriors were Memphis a few years ago, right? I mean, they, they weren't quite as – you know, they never had quite that same edge, but they were that team, the team that was – it's our time now. Um, and they proved that against, you know, like LeBron. LeBron's like, nah, it's still my league. And the Warriors like, nope, it's our league now. And so uh, now the Warriors are at the other end of that. So can they hang on? I mean, that it's the same sort of dynamic. Memphis looking around going – we're t- this is our league now, and the Warriors have to convince them. You know, talk is cheap, and it matters what happens on the floor, one way or the other. That nope, not yet. It's not your time yet. This is still our league. So it's such a fascinating matchup if we get to that, because it's such a class. I mean, the, the, you know, the symbolism of the young team trying to take the crown. I know the Warriors haven't won in a while, but as we discussed, you know, their championship culture and they're trying to keep that going. The young upstart team against the Warriors, and it wasn't that long ago. The Warriors were at the other end of that spectrum, J.D. 888 John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason. Uh, let's get to the phones. Uh, Coach P in Fremont is next here on 95.7 The Game. What's up, Coach P? What's up, gentlemen? Love the show like always. Happy Saturday. Yeah, you know, on this Warriors-Memphis thing, I mean, obviously the Iggy thing makes it a little more spicier. definitely gives it more kick. Um, but I even recall when Tony Allen walked on, uh, I believe it was the 2015 playoffs, just walked on the floor while some kids are trying to do their dance routine. And you got major boos. I mean, I don't know if it started with that, but Memphis has definitely been a thorn in the Warriors' side a little bit. And it's something about the Warriors that Memphis just can't stand. And obviously the Iggy thing, you know, puts the cherry on top. So I'm kind of looking forward to this playoff series if it does happen. I'm wishing, you know, it will happen second round most preferably. And the Dubs just got to, they just got to end, you know, they got to finish the business with them. They got knocked out by the Grizzlies uh, last year. I really think the Laker game kind of just took it out of the Warriors and Memphis just took the, the opportunity to do so. But, uh, you know, th- th- this rivalry's building and I love it. Love the show, guys. Go Jazz. Appreciate it, Coach P. Good, good stuff there. Uh, the one thing for sure, if the Warriors wind up in playoff series against Memphis and Phoenix, regardless of the order, get through the first round, you play Memphis, then you play Phoenix, or or vice versa, maybe you knock out Phoenix and then you play Memphis. Th- those two series, if we get to see them, would be incredibly, I mean, just incredible drama and competitiveness and edge and, and everything else. I mean, those would be phenomenal series. I hope we get a chance to see them both just from just from a watchability standpoint. Well, that's one of the things you have to take into account when you try to decide which way you'd rather have it, which of those series is going to take more out of you. And I don't know the answer to that because I agree with you and Coach P and everyone pointing out that this is going to be very, very spicy. You know, J.D., I, I still think uh, – I know I want to play Utah in, in, in the first round, and you can't have it both ways here, but I still, as far as – Memphis first and then uh, Phoenix. I think I'd rather have it that way. I'd rather play Memphis before I have to play the Phoenix Suns, assuming I get that opportunity. All right? I mean, I know it's the Warriors are no, not an automatic to advance. They should, but, but we'll see. So I would rather play Memphis, uh, get that out of the way, and then really focus on a Phoenix team. That, let's face it, they came within a whisker winning the championship last year, best team in the league. I want to play them in the conference finals. 
Yeah, I think a lot of it from the Warrior fan base, and we've gotten a lot of it here in the first 90 minutes of the show, a lot of it I think is the eye test as far as, as just the how the matchups have looked, Warriors versus Grizzlies. Grizzlies have been tough on the Warriors. Grizzlies you know, play with that that added edge against the Warriors, and the Warriors have looked pretty good against Phoenix. Darn near beat mm-hmm. them a, a couple of weeks ago with you know the Suns having everybody and, and the Warriors obviously not having Curry and, and Jordan Poole doing his thing. They beat them on Christmas shorthanded in Phoenix. Uh, the Suns were able to, to beat the Warriors in that, that first matchup uh, when they were 18-2 and two back at the end of November, but the Warriors bounced right back and, and blew the Suns out uh, the, the next game that they played a couple of nights later. So I, I, think, I think it is as simple as the eye test, right? The matchup has looked more favorable against Phoenix than it has against Memphis, and I think you could even factor last year into it. Let's get KT in Oakland on 95-7 the game. What's up, KT? Hey, what's up? How you guys doing this morning? Good, good. Well, you know, looking at the season, looking at the season, and if you look at the season, I think the Warriors can beat everybody. But, you know, you look at the way the season's going, and everybody can beat the Warriors. So what we have is, is really good parity in the league right now. So uh, I, I like Warriors against Memphis. I think the Warriors do have the edge on experience, but that doesn't give them a guarantee to win. Uh, I, I really like Phoenix uh, as as a favorite, even though I'm a Warrior fan, I just think they have enough to get them over the top. But the Warriors can beat them also. So, you know, it's pretty much just sit back and get your popcorn ready. And, you know, it's going to come down to coaching and free throws, I think, at the end of the game. Good good stuff, KT. Yeah, coaching, free throws, and I think health is the other thing that it always comes down to. As we've seen, players do get hurt in the playoffs. And who you have and who you don't have can, can often determine when – when you go home versus maybe playing on. We've seen that with the Warriors during their run both ways, right? The Warriors have been the team that's that's broken down or had some bad injury luck, and, and some of the teams the Warriors have faced have broken down or had some bad injury luck at, at different points. To me, I, I understand the point that the Warriors have maybe played better against the Suns this year than they have against the Grizzlies, maybe. As I said earlier, I still think – that neither the Warriors nor the Suns have really been at full strength for any of those matchups. That, but I just the Suns to me they've arrived. They're like the best version of this team we're going to see. I don't know how long they're going to stay there. Memphis to me is still on the rise, but the stinking Suns are thirty-two and nine on the road this year. I mean they're incredible. I don't want to face them if, if I have a choice here until I get to the conference finals because they're. I mean that's a really. That's a great team right now. The Phoenix Suns are a great team. Well, and and they are the kind of team, Whitey, that you look at their ability to win close games and, and, and execute down the stretch, and that's what you have to do in the playoffs, execute in the half court. And if there has been a weakness for the Warriors, if there has been a weakness for the Warriors in the games that they've lost, it has been offensive execution specifically in the half court down the stretch in games and I think that would be the 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 hardest thing maybe for the Warriors to get on the same page with as the playoffs are are, are going on like you can figure out who's what your rotation's going to be and we'll get into that coming up here but the ability to finish and close games is is as important as anything and that's the one area where at least going into it the the Suns do have an advantage on paper over the Warriors do you think the Warriors have? Do they have fewer ways to beat you now than they used to? To your point, obviously, 
That's one of the reasons it's so important for them to play well defensively because it helps them offensively. They get out in transition. Mm -hmm. But is this Warriors team, are there still questions about whether they're a team that in the postseason can beat teams in the half court? I I think there's, there's one obvious answer to it, and I think we've seen it during this stretch where the Warriors have played better in the last couple of weeks here since that Phoenix game. And defense is part of it, but there's another obvious answer and I, I we'll get into that coming up next here. Uh, I'll tell you what it is, is we're halfway through on a Saturday. It's Warriors this week with John Dickinson and, and Whitey Gleason. 888-957-9570. Uh, the phone lines are open. couple simple questions. Do you want Utah or Denver in the first round? Do you want the Phoenix side of the bracket or the Memphis side of the bracket? We'll keep that conversation moving. Also have to get into what Steph Curry had to say about LeBron's comments and uh, some of the great interviews that Steiny and Guru did uh, earlier this week here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, That's all coming up here. Warriors this week. We roll on uh, with 90 minutes to go. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. We're halfway through here, getting you up until noon. Warriors and the Spurs coming up later here on 95.7 The Game, a 5.30 tip. No Curry, no Clay Thompson in that one as he's going to play tomorrow night in New Orleans. Uh, the Warriors will have Otto Porter and Andre Iguodala tonight. Uh, it sounds like those two will not play tomorrow night. Whitey, what have the Warriors done uh, in the last handful of games here, really going back to the, the Phoenix game uh, when they lost, what have the Warriors done better that, that have allowed them to, to, to compete and win? Uh, and, and how does it translate to the – the answer is shoot the three ball. And, and you, know, you mm-hmm. said are there fewer ways the Warriors can, can win. I think they are more dependent on offense and making shots, and I, and I know it, it, it sounds like an oversimplification, but I, I, they're going to have to make threes and, and really shoot the ball well for long stretches of series to, to win series. I think offense, yeah, oddly enough, is still a potential issue for this team. Not to get lost in some numbers, but we've been talking about the Suns and the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies this year, offensive rating in the league, they're fifth 
and they're fourth in defensive rating. Uh, the Suns are fourth in offensive rating and third in defensive rating. The Warriors are first in defensive rating, 18th in offensive rating. Obviously, that takes into account games where you know Steph hasn't played, Draymond was out, but offense is still an issue for them, and it's still going to be, you know, everything has to be based on defense because that gets the offense going. But that's still the biggest question mark for them, and I think you're right, and Steve Kerr's talked about that. The margin for error is slimmer, and it's really tough right now for this team to beat other teams when they're not shooting the ball well. No, and you just you look at you know sixteen threes at a fifty percent clip against the Lakers. You go back to the game against Utah, and the Warriors won that game. Why? Because Jordan Poole made six threes and Clay Thompson made eight threes, and they made six consecutive three pointers in an eighteen nothing run in the fourth quarter of a game that they were down by sixteen. Uh, they made twenty threes at a forty one percent clip uh, in, in that game as well. So so you just you look at it, and it's it's the three ball. I mean, it really is. It's it's the three ball, uh, 16 three-pointers at a 47% clip in the game in Sacramento. So they didn't shoot as many as, as they have been, but six, 16 for 34 from three-point range for, for the Warriors in, in that game. And then you go all the way back to the Phoenix game, you know, the one game that the Warriors lost – and they didn't shoot it as well. They only made 13. Now, the Suns only made seven, so the Warriors had a big advantage in terms of threes, uh, but the Warriors were 13-38 to 38 in that one, so the worst percentage by far of, of this last stretch of games, and that was the one game where the Warriors wound up not quite having enough. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Poole and Wiggins, but especially Poole, uh, you know, month of March, shot the ball so well from the three-point line. And I know we touched on this yesterday, but, it, you know, the fact that his 20-point uh, streak ended, it's like, that doesn't matter. It was a really nice streak, but what's the difference? He had a really good game against he the was Lakers. He had though. 19. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, it's funny because, yeah, as soon as I realized, okay, he's going to come out of the game pretty soon. He's got 17, so he's probably going to be launching about right. Oh, there he goes. You can't blame him. Um, but it just doesn't matter. He had a really good game. He had a better game against the Lakers scoring 19 than he did, say, against the Wizards when they were back there when he scored more than that. So I hope he understands that. I'm sure on some level he does. It doesn't matter. But his three-point shooting has been a big part of this recent push. And Wiggins, too, playing so much better and shooting the ball better. To me, that was the problem with Wiggins. It's not that he didn't care. wasn't that he, he can't figure out his role with clay backs like he couldn't make shots and it was really affecting me at the foul line so to see him shoot the ball better score more be more efficient is a real we talk about the positive signs going into the postseason wiggins right now fingers crossed a real positive sign heading forward yeah it, and you just run through the numbers again on wiggins against the against the lakers seven of 12 so only 12 shots but he makes seven three of five mm-hmm. from from three-point range uh, against Sacramento, 25 points, 8 of 16. So, again, not an overwhelming amount of shots, and, and the Warriors really balanced the, sh- the sh- shooting in terms of mm-hmm. you know, attempts in the game. He, Wiggins had the most in that game with, with 16, uh, but 4 of 7 from 3. So he's mm-hmm. you know that, that was the Wiggins from, from earlier in the season, and then you go back to the Jazz game, 7 of 10 and 3 of 4 from 3. So you just look at the three-point shooting over this last stretch – and you know he's 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 performed at a at a much higher level. I'm doing it quickly off the top. I mean, Ten of his last seventeen from three point range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll work. Um, by the way, I think going forward, 
I think Porter has a chance to be. We've seen it in you know here and there for the year. He's still at thirty seven percent. I think he has a chance to really help in that department. And so does Bielitsa. Again, overall his his uh, percentage is not bad. He's at for the year Bielitsa thirty six percent. But he went through a stretch there where it's like you know clunk. Line, he was just throwing scuds up there, but he's found his game. Since Draymond's come back, the elites has played better. So in addition to Curry, Wiggins, Poole, and Clay, I think Porter and Bielitsa can give them a lot of help from the three-point line as well. And then all of a sudden, when all those guys are making shots, they're really hard to guard. Uh, I want to come back to the, the conversation about offense because it, it, it relates to the chat that Tim Kawakami had with Steve Kerr, and there were a couple of quotes that, that came out of, of that uh, that – I think are interesting as far as the the way uh, the the playoffs lay out, and and there was one quote specifically that I know got a lot of run about uh, Tim's conversation with with Steve. Uh, but I also, as far as the rotation goes, Whitey, we've seen it again going back to the Phoenix game here, where the Warriors have played better basketball. It's been more of the veteran laden group. It it really has, and it, it's been. It's been Poole and Clay and Wiggins and Draymond and Looney went back into the starting lineup. None of this Kaminga nonsense with Looney sitting out. I don't know what that was all about at the end of that trip, but that that didn't work. Uh, and and Steve Kerr went away from that. It's been less Kaminga. It's been less Moody. It's been you know less Damian Lee and JTA among among the the veteran uh, type players. But Steve Kerr's really honed in on basically a nine ten man rotation. And the bench players have been have been Porter and Peyton and Iguodala and and Bielitsa primarily, and the Warriors have played better basketball for having those nine ten players be the, the you know you factor Steph in Steph would make it ten. Uh, I think that's that's the template for the for the playoff rotation. Is Iguodala really as important to everything they do as it appears he is? I know we both yes. were surprised. Yeah, early in the year, it's like, oh, my goodness. I knew that, you know, it'd be nice to have him around, but he's really played well. Then he was hurt, didn't play for a long stretch, and now he's back. And all of a sudden, right, he's helping uh, in so many areas. And he can run the offense, and he can defend at such a high level. It's been really remarkable, and I think he's been one of the keys to that unit that you talked about. And then Poole, you know, is he going to be starting? Uh, I don't know when, when we have Steph back, but it's really been interesting to see Steve Kerr, who's juggled so much because of so many factors now, and he's settled on this. Porter, Iguodala, GP2, Bielitsa, then either Clay or Poole. Uh, second unit that he says, okay, those are the, those. It's nice to have the adults on the floor. All of that led by Andre Iguodala, such a great passer. Yeah, it, it, there's a, a basketball IQ that gets raised, I think, on both sides with, with Iguodala. I think he helps the Warriors get better shots when he's out there. I think he he helps make the Warriors a, a smarter defensive team as well and and then again to go back to the offense he's he's a playmaker he he just and the Warriors do at times lack playmakers and so he's somebody that that has to be out there and and I think you know the the Warriors getting back to finding themselves uh in, in the last four or five games has been I think about a rotation that's looked more like the rotation that the Warriors had at the beginning of the season. No Steph now, but it was no Clay then, right? So it was Poole and, and Curry with no Clay. Now it's Poole and Clay with no Curry. But the rest of it is what 
had been successful and Steve Kerr's gotten back to it and now all of a sudden this team's successful again. I think that's a very good sign uh, for, for for the playoffs as much as anything. It's the fact that he's playing the guys that are going to give him the best opportunity to win even though he had at times anointed everybody as a member of that playoff rotation. It's also something that we talked a lot about earlier in the year that then we started taking it for granted, but Gary Payton has been an incredible story this year, and he's a key member of that second unit. And offensively, he's kind of an opportunistic player, but he's taken advantage of that. Then defensively, as we discussed yesterday, J.D., when you've got you know important moments of a game and you got Draymond on the floor and you got GP2 and you have Iguodala out there, all of a sudden, I mean, it's just night and day from that team that we saw right after Draymond got hurt that was just – it was they couldn't stop dribble penetration uh, at all. But those two guys, Iguodala and, and Gary Payton the second, those are two of the guys that make such a huge difference. It doesn't show up always in the numbers, but they have a lot to do with the Warriors being a legitimate contender going forward. It's going to take Clay being Clay and Curry being healthy and Draymond being Draymond. Draymond. But Iguodala and Gary Payton uh, bring you, um, you talked about the basketball IQ and some of the nuts and bolts things that every contender has to have. And it's a real surprise to me that they're getting that so far this year from both those guys. I just didn't think Iguodala physically was capable of providing it anymore. Well, it, and and maybe he was, but only for 25 games. And I think the Warriors found you know, early, and we've, we've talked about this, I don't think they really knew what they were going to get from, from Iguodala, and then they were pleasantly surprised early at how much he was able to give them, and then maybe they rode him a little too hard and decided that they were going to shut him down, which they essentially did until it got close to the to the playoffs. And now I feel like they're really protecting him to make sure that he can give them, and maybe he can't give them every game. And look, the players that aren't in the rotation right now are not, you know, that doesn't mean they're not going to play at all. I do think Kaminga is going to play some, but it it's not going to be an every game kind of a thing. It may be team needs a boost of energy. Team needs... Uh, a, a little extra athleticism, and Steve Kerr can go to him even if he's not in the, the primary rotation. Everybody's going to have to stay ready, and I know Steve Kerr does like to give everybody a little bit of a, a taste of the action in the first couple of games in a series because you never know, one, who's going to play well, and maybe they earn more minutes, but you never know when you may have to go to somebody later and you don't want to have them be a, a you know, complete non-factor at, at the beginning. But I, I do think the primary primary rotation is going to be uh, the the nine ten that we've talked about here, and, and Bielitsa is a surprise, but it looks like Bielitsa at least going in is going to get a, a shot to get some minutes. I don't think that means he's going to necessarily stay in the rotation, but I do think he's going to get uh, an opportunity with with Iguodala and 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 Peyton and Porter, and you know we'll see. The big question becomes, what do they do with Poole? And does he go back to the bench or start? And I think this relates to back to the conversation that Tim Kawakami of The Athletic had with Steve Kerr. And he asked him about about small ball. And, and he asked him about Curry and, and Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole playing together. And I think the way – and looking at it, uh, you know, Kawakami asked the question, could it really be that your team will sometimes have to blitz opponents offensively in the playoffs, Steve. Kawakami to Steve Kerr, and, and Kerr says, if that's what it takes, then that's what we're going to do. Uh, and I think there's a little bit of an unknown that we're going to be facing, which means we've got to make quick adjustments, not just within a series, but within a game. Matchups are probably going to determine a lot of things, but if we feel like 
the matchups aren't going our way and we don't have a great two-way answer, we've always been blessed with these two-way rosters. When we went small, we were still really good defensively. Andre could move to the four, Draymond to the five. We may not have that luxury this year, Kurt says. So if that's the case, we've got to be ready to shoot 40 or 50 threes in a game mm-hmm. and win that way, win with offense. Uh, and then the, 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 the money quote later uh, was about Nelly Ball. I can, I can read that, but I want to let you comment on the first part. I mean, that, that, that is interesting, but I think it plays to what we've been talking about in this segment with the Warriors needing to make shots to win. I think he knows and he's seen that that second unit can tilt the game in your favor. You're playing at home in a playoff game. They come in, they start getting some defensive traction, getting out in transition, which makes the offense go. Uh, I think he has to feel real comfortable about that. And not to sidestep your question, but as you're talking there and we're looking at the season, I would make the case that one of the things the Warriors have benefited from this year in the second half of late is knowing Wiseman's status. And I am no in no way, shape, or form am I blaming Wiseman for any of this. But you remember last year when he got hurt, they went on a run in part because it was clear, okay, now we know what we're going to do. And I think this year there was a waiting for him and how he was going to fit in. And again, this is no fault of his. Once it was clear he's not playing, I think the team has played better. Just be elites has known, all right, well, I have a role here. So you certainly wouldn't have chosen that. You'd love to have Wiseman available, especially given that you're going to face some bigs here uh, in the postseason. But I think just knowing that, okay, he's not here, all right, at least now we know. I think in some ways that's benefited the team as well. Yeah, and, and just looking at, at this, uh, the, the rest of this, uh, and it's a, it's a great interview. I think uh, Tim, Tim turned it into a, yes, a podcast as well, but he, he, he wrote about it uh, for The Athletic. But the quote here from Steve Kerr, uh, the thing that's the thing with the playoffs is you get exposed and the other team gets exposed. That's the whole point. You try to expose each other. You throw lineups out there that you think can be two way lineups that allow you to get stops that you'll need and score at the other end. But you also know at some point either we've got them. It's checkmate. We've got them. But the flip side is, oh, bleep. Oh, S. <laughs> uh, if you reach that point of, oh, bleep. That's where you've got to take some chances, and if that means turning into Nelly Ball, then we'll play Nelly Ball. Hmm. If you, well, you can do that if you're making go, shots. Yeah. Right. Go you small. Make shots. Yeah. Yeah. Go small. You want offense. Offense, even at the expense of your defense, but you gotta you gotta try and force the action the other way. Maybe force some teams to to do some things that they don't want to do because you become so offense heavy. Yeah, and since you don't have uh, size you can go to, the Warriors maybe looking at a go-small or go-home scenario in the postseason. That's why it's so important that Clay's starting to shoot the ball so much better. Yeah, so it just it, it's interesting. Can the Warriors win that way? Do the Warriors reach a point where they think they have to win that way? When they've done it in the past, it's been offense and defense that have benefited. When you look at the Warriors, the, the Steph – Clay pool lineup with let's say Wiggins and Draymond can that group be good enough defensively I think that's really the crux of the question right Whitey it's it's can that group be good enough defensively to hold up to where it, it it's two-way or and if it can't do you still roll with it I think that's the the crux of the of of what what Steve's getting at there 
Yeah, but I think it relates to what you've said and what Steve Kerr has said this week about Clay's game in particular. If they are making shots, it makes it so much easier for them at the defensive end. And he said this week, you know, after Clay had the big game against the Lakers and, and Steve Kerr went out of his way to say, oh, he only had two bad shots, which is great. And, you know, when Clay's uh, when he's not making shots and taking bad shots, it puts so much pressure on, on, on our defense. So, yeah, they do have more defensive issues than they've had, certainly than they, they had when they were winning championships. And there's just a lot more pressure on that defense when they aren't shooting well and teams are getting out in transition because they're not really a great – times they're not even a very good – a defensive team in transition. So again, it all it's all hand in hand. Sometimes we break it down. Well, what are they defensively? What are they offensively? So it's just more important than I think it's ever been for these Warriors in the postseason. And please correct me if you disagree, because I, I know you covered all these games. More important than than we've ever seen from this Warrior core that they're going to have to make shots. So they're known for their shooting in the Splash Brothers, but this year if they're not shooting well, they run out of ways to win in the postseason. Yeah, they they. It, they're gonna. Ha- I think there are lineups to where they can be a dominant defensive team, but those lineups maybe don't have enough offensively, right? If you want to play Peyton and Iguodala and Draymond Green, then where's your yeah, offense yeah. going to come from? And then, I, right. but then there's also there's it, it's combinations, and it's also if you play that lineup that we just talked about with Curry and Clay and, and Jordan Poole, uh, you know, do you have enough defensively? to be able to to slow the opponent down and and win a game down the stretch or or can you be so good offensively that it doesn't matter at, at that point that you can just ride it out and I think that's you know that that's the question you know where where are your advantages uh, as far as this team goes and I think you know they just don't have the two-way players that they've had in the past I think that's what it boils down to yeah, because Iguodala, and I know that you know he was the Finals MVP. He's not close to the two-way player he was. That's why Wiggins comes into focus. It's so important for him to continue to do what he's doing. But yeah, as you said, I mean, you want to have Iguodala and Draymond on the floor at the end of games. You know, your your Hampton Five lineup, your death lineup of death, I should say. Pardon me. Um, and that's more problematic than it's ever been. Uh, so you need Poole to continue to make shots. Steph has to come back and be Steph, and it also gets down to your your matchups. You can beat a team like Utah. Let's say you're playing Utah. You can beat Utah if you can force Gobert to the type of compromising situations they did on Saturday night. But uh, if you're not making shots, it's just a lot easier for other teams to beat the Warriors right now. Yeah, 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570, Warriors this that's the phone number to give us a call or, or shoot us a text here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, the Warriors rounding the, the rotation uh, down, I, I think, at, at this point. Let's get Coach and Vallejo in here uh, before the top of the hour on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Coach. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Hey, hey Whitey. Um, you know, I'd like to talk about the playoff rotation a little bit, and I think a lot of people don't understand that uh, – you can't expect Jordan Poole to play 30 minutes and get 25 points a game because his points are Steph's points, okay? And those are the same points. And uh, you're going to see GP2 get a lot of uh, Jordan Poole's minutes. So I expect Poole to play maybe 15 to 20 minutes a game as opposed to the 30 he's been getting. 
Boy, I don't know about that, Coach, and thanks for the call. I, I don't I don't think it's 15 to 20. I think at some point in the middle of the year it might have been 15 to 20. I think it's more 25 or so. I, I It's not 30 necessarily, but it might be 30 if he's playing well. And, and I, I understand the point about – you know, some of Steph Curry's return offsets Jordan Poole's production. Curry's going to score some of those points. But but the key for the Warriors is how do you maximize all three? And you almost have to maximize all three. Or you run the risk of kind of losing Poole in in going back to a, a lesser role. I, I agree with um, the larger point that Coach is making. And you're right. You know, he's not going to play, be playing 15 minutes. But he is going to be getting probably fewer shots and fewer minutes than he had when he was on that run. That's why I think the game against the Lakers was such an encouraging sign. 33 minutes and he only got 15 shots and he had a really solid game with 19 points and 11 assists. So I think he's showing that maybe in a little bit of a reduced role because Clay carried the offense, he can still be efficient and effective. What you can have, of course, and, and we saw a little bit this year, and it's natural, we see it from all players, is where he's you know off to maybe a slow start, not having a great shooting night, and then he just you know passes up shots, and then pretty soon you have, well, he played uh, you know 20 minutes, and he has one for seven. You can't have that. So I think he's shown... Uh, since Clay came back, that he's a little more adaptable, a little more consistent than we thought maybe he was going to be. So that's really important going forward. But I thought that was a really good sign. He had that great month. He had a really good sign because uh, I think he's showing that um, he can be an efficient scorer, not just a, a volume shooter. All right, he's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Still time for some phone calls, uh, more text messages. Final hour. A couple of simple questions here. Who do you want in the first round? Utah or Denver? And then uh, which side of the bracket do you want to be on? Uh, the Phoenix side as the four seed or the Memphis side as the three seed with the Suns one and the Grizzlies two, respectively. We'll come back uh, and the final hour. Warriors this week straight ahead here on ninety five seven. The game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.